Hello, I'm Billy Buttery, and this is Food is Culture, a podcast. I have a question for you. What is your favorite breakfast? Depending on where in the world you grew up and in what culture, there may be a vast array of answers here. If you grew up in North America, you may have said cereal. What is your favorite cereal growing up? Maybe not the one you ate every day, but the one you reach for on special occasions, or the cereal that was a treat when you were feeling down. One time while visiting Ireland, I popped into a supermarket and just had to pick up this cereal that was literally mini chocolate chip cookies. So maybe it isn't just an American thing. <laughs> I've mentioned on podcasts before, but growing up, we didn't have cereal in the house and definitely not cow's milk. As a kid, I remember visiting my cousin and getting to have Rice Krispies. My cousin would sprinkle a spoonful of sugar atop. The odd time I have Rice Krispies now as an adult, I still do this. My all-time favorite cereal is Lucky Charms, which I think I had only eaten like three or four times before my 20s. Even now, this is a treat for me. I often have it as a late-night snack. But how to balance a fun, delicious cereal that would nourish my inner child while also nourishing my adult body? Well, this is why I was so excited to sit down with Emily Elise Miller. She is the founder and CEO of Off Limit Cereal. She has also written a cookbook called Breakfast and hosted a pop-up series called The Breakfast Club. She is passionate about delicious food with awesome ingredients. I love sitting down with her and talking food. Since speaking with her, I have made an effort to check out grocery stores that cater to specific ethnic groups to find some new-to-me ingredients to spice up my usual cooking. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Oh, and if you're wondering, my favorite breakfast is Eggs Benedict served on a croissant with locks, of course, half homemade frites, half mixed greens with a side fruit bowl, mimosas, and a latte. Fresh ground pepper, please. Bon appetit. Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay, well, I'm so excited to sit down with you today. Checking out your Instagram and your website, it just totally brings back being a child and seeing the commercials for all these super cool cereals. And um, we have a little bit of a similarity with my mom being such a health food kick when I was a kid that we didn't eat fun cereal. So I know that's kind of your journey as well. Um, But how would you define your cultural background? Uh, My cultural background, I would describe as Italian and Jewish and just like a food loving family. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what would you say is your first memory of food? It would probably be cooking with my grandma and my mom in the kitchen. I grew up between Hawaii and Arizona because my dad was in the hotel industry. Wow. And, um, spent a lot of time cooking with my mom in the kitchen and my grandma lived with us when we were in Hawaii. So, from a young age, I remember being exposed to tons of new ingredients and cooking with them and sharing with neighbors. And that stuck when we moved to Arizona and has stayed with me, I feel, my whole life, including with my sister and the way we celebrate meals and cook and do everything like a little more extreme than probably (laughs) necessary. I love that. Well, and I love Italian cooking and I'm sure Hawaiian cooking is so delicious. It's amazing. Yes. Like I am obsessed with Island, uh, cuisine and culture. Like Hawaii is, I, I, I'm not Hawaiian native, um, in any way, but have so much respect for the culture and just feel very connected to the way everybody cooks and lives and, and does things there. And, um, I spent some time in Singapore and I feel a very similar connection whenever I'm in those kind of Island countries, cities, anywhere where there's this incredible grouping of culture and these people through um, sometimes good, sometimes bad ways of having to like live together have created this beautiful collaboration of, of food and ingredients. And 
the storytelling of those dishes is generations old and constantly kind of being updated. And those are the stories that I really love. Totally. I find the way that dishes sort of come to be because of ingredients or lack of ingredients or an abundance of ingredients and all of those sort of melting pots, especially in islands where it's sometimes a little bit harder to have absolutely everything that we have maybe in a bigger landmass. Um, I find it so interesting as well. Yeah. You cook with what you have, what you know, you learn from people around you and they might not all be from your culture. So I grew up with just this massive admiration um, and curiosity for learning about other cultures. I love that. Obviously (laughs) that's amazing. Did you always sort of work in food or did you know that you wanted to do something in food for a while? I always loved food. I knew that hospitality was part of me. I just don't think I really understood what that meant until I was a little bit older. I've always been really creative. I went to cartooning camp instead of like sports camps and things like that. And then, um, was just became obsessed with fashion and everything New York, like being a teenager living in Arizona, not a lot of people looked like me and dressed like me or was curious about things in the way that I was. And I think everyone knew in high school, even that I pretty much, my head was already in New York going to school here, um, where I live still. (laughs) So, um, I ended up going to school for fashion design in the city and did a lot with fashion even prior. So, um, yeah, anything I can get my hands on creatively. I love that. That's amazing. Well, and going to cartooning camp, that totally ties into all of the mascots. Exactly. I feel like <laughs> Off Limits has been brewing since I was a little kid. <laughs> That's so fantastic. I love that. Well, to talk a little bit more about um, growing up, what would you say was like your favorite dish and when you lived with your grandmother, when you lived in Arizona? Um, my mom makes lentil soup and in a very kind of Italian way where you just put what you have in it kind of from the fridge. And then my grandma would make like a a red sauce all the time. And she would do this thing called a sauce sandwich and she'd have a loaf of Italian bread and we would be like little standing next to her at the stove. She'd rip off a piece of bread and like dip it in the sauce. And then we would eat it like straight out of the pot. Mm, Um, So so I blame her for still doing that today, but it's (laughs) absolutely the only way I love eating sauce. So, well, you have to taste it before you serve it, of course. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, and what would you say now is sort of your favorite food, or you know, when you are a little bit wistful for home that you or your mom's cooking that you eat? So, cereal really was a big part of growing up. Like, cereal is a snack food to me. It's like a it's an all day food. We would have it for dinner. We'd have it for breakfast. So whenever I pour myself a bowl of cereal, it really does remind me of home. And my mom will text me pictures of her eating off limits, like dry in a cup, like mixed with a few different flavors. And like, sometimes she puts like fruit and stuff in it too. So the fact that my mom eats the cereal now, like it's just this like full circle kind of beautiful moment around a very humble food. Hmm. Well, I love breakfast for dinner. Um, and I love cereal. And growing up, my mom um, 
we didn't have cereal in the house. So it was such a treat when I'd go to my cousin's houses and we'd have like um, Lucky Charms or something super fun and colorful. Yeah. So I read that you, um, your mom didn't really like have you having cereal in the house, but your grandmother would sometimes like sneaky bowls. Oh, I wouldn't even say hi to my grandma when I would run into her house. I would go straight for the pantry and pull out the Lucky, uh, not Lucky Charms, um, Frosted Flakes. <laughs> she would also have whole milk too. And my mom would have skim milk. So like everything about the cereal eating experience at my grandma's was just better. And it felt super like, quote, off limits. And um, it's always fun to like do those little things that you're not really supposed to do. It just like tastes better, feels better. And I really wanted to embody that feeling into a brand because I feel like so many people kind of find joy in those little rebellious moments. So that was definitely one of my fondest ones growing up. Totally. And rebellious, but um, with off limits, it's so like, I was reading through the ingredients and it looks so healthy. Like it looks good for you. So it's, it's, (laughs) yeah, the ingredient panel is super clean. And weirdly that is rebellious for the cereal industry. So Mm -hmm. we really are doing the opposite of what these bigger brands are doing, coming from a background of food and recipe development and like just diet culture in general. Um, I have battles that I want to fight with this brand and it is a lot more kind of like mental health, um, falling into like diet culture and like the way that brands project themselves and ingredients that are quote healthy. Like a lot of times they're just buzzy words that really don't mean anything or are backed up by any kind of ingredients on their panel. So weirdly we put our panel on the back burner because when people see it, they can read every ingredient on there. I don't have to explain anything to them. Like mm-hmm. some of them might be a natural or a global ingredient they might not have heard of, but there's no, nothing artificial. Um, and we use organic cane sugar. So all like very just delicious, well-sourced ingredients. Totally. And a flavor for everybody. I would like every all the flavors look amazing. And I had never heard of pandan, which I'm sure I've had in Filipino desserts. Yes. Um, yes. So good. Um, it has this incredible kind of umami, coconut, vanilla aroma to it. And I, I have a lot of South Asian friends and pandan is a South Asian tropical plant that's commonly used in savory and sweet cooking. But a lot of times in, in savory cooking, you'll see it maybe used to like wrap chicken or um, meat or something to get that kind of aroma infused and steamed into the meat. And then on the savory side, it brings out this like kind of incredible vanilla flavor that when you mix with like coconut sugar, um, you can make kaya jam, which is like one of the staple dishes in Singapore. Um, and you'll see these kind of like bright green kind of cakes and desserts, and they're all just like so aromatic and beautiful. So I've been fascinated by the ingredient for a long time and was really excited I just thought it would be an amazing cereal flavor. There's really like nothing else to it. So much respect for the ingredient and thought it would be amazing as cereal. So, Yeah, I love that. Um, And it sounds like you've traveled so much. What would you say is your favorite first thing to do when you get to a new city? I'm very particular about the first thing that I eat in a city. I would rather be hungry for a while than like (laughs) eat something from – 
a place that I'm not excited about because like once you've like traveled for a long time, there is nothing better than either having a really amazing coffee, going to like a coffee shop, getting a pastry, something like that, or just having this like incredible kind of wholesome meal that really represents and lays the groundwork for the country that you are in. I love that ritual. I totally agree. There's nothing worse than like getting to a city and then going to the first chain restaurant you see. I'm like, no. Oh my <laughs> I would die. I would probably, if I had a first meal and it wasn't good, I would have to get something else after. Like if it was a dessert or like something, <laughs> I would like need to redeem it before I can like peacefully go wherever I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I totally agree with the coffee and pastry everywhere in the world, you know, so many places in the world claim to have the best coffee and the best pastries, but every place is so unique and so different and so delicious that it's definitely, if you're a coffee drinker um, and you enjoy desserts and food and culture, that's definitely a good representation of the place you're in. Absolutely. Everywhere has signature pastries. And that's why I love breakfast so much. Like it's familiar to everybody. Not everybody eats breakfast, but there is morning culture in every city. Mm-hmm. And cool. I am completely in love with waking up early when I go to cities just to like totally fall into what a typical day in the life would be and observe what people are doing for breakfast and as their morning ritual. Mm-hmm. Well, and I find it fascinating how in different parts of the world, some places start their day savory and some places start their day sweet. And um, it's all delicious no matter where you are. <laughs> I, I agree. I'll take either. I'm usually a savory person, um, but which is why I think I eat cereal as a snack and at night and like prefer pastries more like midday or afternoon. But um, I love having breakfast in Asia because I'm a soup for breakfast person. And that's like complete capital of soup for breakfast all kinds. Mm-hmm. It's so, especially in the winter, it's so good to have something super nice and warm and to start your day and warm your bones. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all even when I was in Singapore, I was like sweating, <laughs> sitting in a cafe in the morning, eating, um, this like really incredible kind of white pepper spiced beef soup. Mm-hmm. And, um, everyone else was doing it too. So, mm-hmm. and, and it was amazing. So I love kind of joining in and seeing what people, what like motivates people to start their day. Yeah. I love that. Um, where would you say is your, well, I don't want to put you in a box and ask you your favorite city, but is there a place that you just love to visit and you've visited over and over again? It's that's so hard to answer. It would be mm-hmm. for like so many different reasons. I, I mean, the places that I end up having just like a weird connection and affinity to, um, definitely, Maui and I mean, Honolulu, basically like Maui and Honolulu. Um, I feel very connected to Singapore and really enjoyed Lisbon while I was there as well. There's like the light in Lisbon is just, it's different. And I look back on it and I feel like I can picture it while I'm meditating or something. And it like brings more light to me for some reason. It's just such a, such a beautiful place. That's awesome. I love that. Is there, um, do you have like a repertoire of dishes that you like to make every week or is it just like every day is like a new, you like to have like a new culinary experience? I am one of those people who cannot eat the same thing twice. And if I do, 
Um, it's varied in some way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, breakfast every morning is different. I kind of consider it a creative challenge in a way where even if I have to eat something quickly, um, I always have, uh, I always have nori in the closet and avocado and can like throw some things together. Um, condiments, I'm never without tahini and lettuce and it, it just kind of depends. Mm-hmm. So every day is like a little mini cutthroat kitchen. What do I, I have? And honestly, what can I do? <laughs> yeah, honestly, it is. And my sister and I joke about it all the time. I live with her in New York and we're like, oh, let's just make a quick breakfast, even if it's like before work and it's like 7.30 in the morning or something. And I'll wake up and she made this like extravagant thing that was like so insane for a weekday to do but um it's what she was craving and I kind of do the same thing as well so we really take turns just using what we have in the fridge and trying to be creative and I think that leaves room for exploration like we'll go to different grocery stores buy new spices buy new ingredients and just kind of figure out how to use them and there's something really fun about having a pantry staple and not following a recipe and trying to use it as a pantry staple as somebody from that culture would, or just a familiar, an an ingredient we're not familiar using in our pantry. Mm -hmm. I I totally agree. I love that. I mean, I try and use, um, my husband is Japanese, so we have a lot of, um, Asian condiments and I try and use them in different ingredients in different recipes to try and find interesting flavor combinations um, that are just different that the kids will enjoy and that it's something different for the palate. Exactly. And at first you might want to follow recipes or like I definitely do research on the ingredient, try it. Um, But then once I get comfortable with it, I kind of just treat it as anything else and it feels really familiar and that's my favorite part about cooking is like finding these new things that end up becoming a staple in your household that you wouldn't normally expect. Totally. Um, what would you say is your favorite recipe from your cookbook? Oh no, <laughs> there's 380 <laughs> recipes in there. Okay. Um, what, what would you say is like, okay, if someone picks up the cookbook, what would you recommend as maybe like the starting point or one of so I mean, I love chiaquiles so much and I spent a long time on the salsa recipes for those. So I think the chiaquiles recipe is good. Um, I really like to think of, I mean, I use my cookbook, like it, it sits next to me. It, it's sits next to the stove because when I'm making breakfast foods, I'm like, what temperature was this at again? And it's crazy. Cause I can just like go and look in the cookbook. Mm-hmm. They're not these like chefified recipes. They're all very much about home cooking. It took me three years to research, develop and write this book because for every country of the 80 countries represented, there's at least one person who looked over the recipe, who talked to me about things that they used to eat, who called their like aunts and cousins and asked their grandparents. And it just became this like collectively kind of global book that um, I got to, I feel so lucky to have worked on. So I would encourage people to just open to a page and try something that they haven't tried yet. I love that. I've been trying to get into a habit of 
my son is in this little like picky food phase. So I will pick a cookbook off the shelf and say, okay, pick anything, point to a picture, and we're going to make that for dinner tonight. <laughs> and I think that, I love that, yeah, it creates a little bit of like fun and whimsy. And even as an adult, um, it's, it's fun to do to switch up the routine. I completely agree. And I love that you saying that you and your sister go to different grocery stores. I love that. There's about three grocery stores that I go to regularly, but there's so many grocery stores in, in, in most cities, there's so many grocery stores and going to a different grocery store, you'll see something that maybe you don't regularly see. I, I, we live in New York city. Like it would be an absolute shame to not explore all of the different foods that it has to offer. Like every neighborhood you go in grocery stores change, bodega and like supplies change like everything just depends on who lives in the neighborhood and it becomes this kind of cool um way to just understand where you're at like if you don't understand what neighborhood you're in right now because maybe everything is closed if there's a supermarket or a bodega open and you look at all the stuff in there you know exactly where you are and what kind of food you're gonna get and there's something really like comforting and and fun about that that everyone kind of collects there. Totally. I recently went to a grocery store that was a little bit further and it's one of our chain grocery stores, but I just went to like one in a different neighborhood than us. And it's more of an Italian neighborhood. And, um, right before Thanksgiving, there was like this huge display of fennel. And I haven't had fennel since I was a kid because in high school, all my friends were Italian growing up and their moms used to always serve fresh cut fennel with all the desserts. And it just totally brought me back to that, that I bought this huge head of of fennel and served it up after Thanksgiving dinner. And it was so delicious. And it just totally brought me back to like, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Exactly. And And you never would have... so fun. If you... Yeah. And if you didn't have the curiosity to explore more and, and try like you wouldn't have had that memory come back and like expose mm-hmm. it to other people too. So yeah. Cause the regular grocery store, um, it just, they don't, I've never even seen fennel there and it was just, it was a fun little experience. So now I'm making an effort since then to go to different grocery stores and, um, peruse the, all the, all the aisles. <laughs> yeah. I even find that whenever I'm traveling, like when I was doing some cereal production production stuff, I had to be really in the, in the Midwest, like farmland areas. And I was even curious to go to the grocery stores there because it was just so different than what a regular grocery store would be in New York or like a city mm-hmm. that it's, it's a good reminder of how people experience food, especially as a food brand owner it's really important for me to know and appreciate everybody's accessibility and understanding of food and ingredients. Well, and something I really noticed when moving out of downtown Toronto was the size of grocery stores and it totally changes the whole grocery shopping experience. When you're downtown in a city, the grocery store, there's maybe not so many options. Um, and it's more of like this, um, more like of an intimate experience, I think more of like an intimate shopping experience. But when you're in the suburbs or in a sort of more remote city, grocery stores are massive. <laughs> it's like a workout getting from one, uh, one end to the other. It's so overwhelming, but exciting. I think I spent whenever I'm in, um, Hawaii going to the grocery stores, I spend hours there because it's like a regular grocery store, but not like it's the, the ingredients are amazing. Those are my favorite grocery stores to go to. Um, and then 
Yeah, I'm, I love grocery stores so much. I would say maybe that's the second thing I do when I'm traveling too is find a cool grocery store. That's my way of like shopping around. Totally. Okay, well, I want to talk a little bit more about the cereals. So do you, you said your mom sort of mixes flavors. Do you sometimes mix flavors? Yes. Um, and we found a lot of our um, consumers like mixed flavors too. I hate the word consumers. I don't know. I feel like there was a, there's a, maybe like community. Yeah. It feels so weird <laughs> to say that, <laughs> um, especially when we're talking about food and hospitality. So um, yeah, our community kind of showed us how much they loved mixing flavors. And that really made me think a little bit more like, okay, everyone likes to play with their food as much as I do. Like, let's, let's go deeper. And that's kind of how cereal glitter came to be as well. So the whole brand is just supposed to be fun, mix and match, like add other cereals, add fruit, add all of these things. Like I'm not trying to gatekeep anything. I want everybody to have exactly the snack that they want and kind of leave it to them to invent something on their own. I love that. I'm so excited to try a couple of the flavors with fresh strawberries or like fresh blueberries. I think that would be so yummy. Yes. And glitter on everything. (laughs) Oh, glitter on everything. And what's great about the glitter is I designed it so that there's no sugar and there's no flavor in it so that you really can add it to anything you want. Um, We started this series on TikTok where we just kind of take the glitter packets and go to restaurants and fast food places and put it on things like Javier's <laughs> social media manager, um, put the glitter on like a McDonald's ice cream cone and it was oh, so beautiful. And yes. then she went to, um, Popeye's and got the Meg the stallion kind of collaboration they're doing and mix it in with the sauce that it came with and like put it on a sandwich. <laughs> and there's something about even just knowing that your food is glittery that makes it <laughs> so much more fun. So We're out to have a good time. Yes, I definitely want a glitter burger ASAP. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That reminds me of being a kid and the first time having a cake that had gold leaf on it. And I thought I was so fancy. I was like, this is peak rich luxury. (laughs) Me as a seven-year-old with gold flakes on my cake being like, yes, I have made it. (laughs) Honestly, it still feels fancy. Like when you, that's why the glitter is so fun because everyone, especially brands, like they try and like force people to grow up. Like cereal went from being so much fun to just like the most boring boxes, no storytelling, no flavor, no color, no characters, toys, like everything just disappeared. So no wonder everybody's affinity for cereal kind of dropped off. Like when I tell people I have a cereal company, a lot of adults are like, oh, cereal. Like I haven't had that in a while, but if they have kids, they're like, yes, cereal. Mm -hmm. So it, there's no reason why cereal isn't for everybody. And in my opinion, it was because we've kind of been lied to this whole time. Like all the fun stuff ended up really not being good for us. And I feel kind of deceived by a lot of the major brands and them promoting diet culture and falsely healthy ingredients. And I was just kind of over it. So I wanted to create a brand that brought back fun and characters with like real personalities and cereal toys and let people like basically give people permission to eat cereal again. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, and speaking of the characters, would you say that one of the mascots is sort of like based on you? 
I think all the mascots are based on me and people I know in some way. So the mascots have these just wildly extreme personalities Mm -hmm. and deal with human emotional cycles, just like anybody. So Dash is the first female serial mascot in American serial history. Oh, wow. And yeah. And, um, which I didn't even realize when we were building the brand and then halfway through kind of discovered this and started doing so much research. Like NPR did this big piece on it too. Cause I think they were equally as shocked. Mm-hmm. So, um, we really are outright with who our characters are and want people to feel connected to them, especially in times when like breakfast and like meals can be kind of lonely. Like there's this, idea around cereal that like you might be sharing it with your family, but it's kind of also this like meal that maybe if you're too busy, you eat on your own. So in a way I built these characters to be really comforting for people kind of acting as like a little friend, um, Mm -hmm. on the box that maybe they can relate to a little more. And I love that. Yeah. And each of the characters, I mean, has, um, has highs and lows to their personality as well. Like we are able to kind of tackle depression and anxiety. And I want to go so much deeper into all of those things as we grow. Um, have you ever heard of the artist Fafi? I have not. She, um, I, I honestly want to send you one of her links. So she, um, is a graffiti artist and she's has work all over the world. Um, but she creates these little foffy dolls and, um, they all have these really cool personalities. And when I saw your characters, I was like, Oh my God, this is totally, um, like, you know, in line with sort of like the foffy dolls from back in the day. Um, I went to one of her art exhibits in New York actually, um, and met her. So I just, I'm so excited to check it out. I love kind of cartoonified and like, storytelling anything when it comes to animated content or street art and yeah um, her stuff is really cool and it reminded me when you said you know these personalities that are not just happy-go-lucky and I I remember one of the dolls um you know she was like oh she has she's French so she has this like saucy little temper but she's super fun and she's always the first one to like plug her you know uh ipod back in the day into the cord and dj and it just sort of brought me back when I when I was learning about your mascots yeah. Um, I go pretty deep with the mascot. So it's just kind of about um, who is excited to learn more about them. Mm-hmm. We started doing um, 2D animated content with this incredible animation studio based in Miami called Team Legend. And they really helped bring our characters to life. And we've been working together for the past year on instead of having instead of giving them a voice like really showing their personalities and their emotional cycles through animated content and like these little kind of peeks into the cartoon dimension as we like to call it Mm -hmm. I love that one I love the idea that you're you're not just eating cereal alone you have these little characters and these little um you know mascots with you while you're eating because I think going back to when we were kids when I was eating cereal at my cousin's house and I would look at the back of the cereal box and it'd be so fun and there was games and we you know you'd learn a little trivia or a little joke or something but now cereal boxes are so boring I know it's like it's really it was crazy to me that (laughs) nothing like this existed (laughs) um on the back Mm -hmm. of our boxes we have the characters bedrooms as kind of like a coloring sheet so you can learn more about the characters you can color them in 
And then um, on the top of the boxes, we have a QR code so you can text with the character and it kind of links you to our YouTube channel where you can watch our animated content. So essentially we're giving you cereal and cartoons um, and a coloring project. So it really becomes this whole experience, which plays back to my background in hospitality and like trying to like create a whole experience around something versus just buy this product kind of thing. I love that. So how can people get at you on Instagram or YouTube? Yeah. So we're at off limits on, uh, major platforms. And then my personal is at Emily Elise Miller, my full name. And then our website is eat off limits. Awesome. And can people order at the cereal off the website, obviously? Yeah, people can order off the website. And then we are doing some exciting stuff in retail. So I'm Ooh. hoping people will start to be able to um, see it in grocery stores soon. So fun. Well, and it'll just fly off the shelves because I know my son, like when we go buy the the cereal, anything f- f- colorful that looks interesting, he's like, okay, I want that one. <laughs> right. And then you look at the label and you're like, why are you doing this to me brand? But like, cause usually <laughs> there's not good ingredients in it, but the hope is, you know, parents will feel really comfortable with the panel and then they'll start eating it too. Cause it's just good. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I had so fun chatting with you and um, I'm excited to follow what's going to happen with Off Limits. Yeah, same here. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to finish with just a couple of rapid fire questions. If you're a game. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, Coffee or tea? Coffee. (laughs) Apple (laughs) or pineapple? Uh, pineapple, but it does that thing where it like, I think I might be allergic to it, but I still eat it anyway. <laughs> oh, same. When you eat too much, your tongue yeah. is a little fuzzy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> same, same. Um, do you prefer to dine indoors or al fresco? Al fresco. Unless it's the winter, obviously. Yeah. Do you prefer to be the host or be the, be the guest? The host. Uh, fast food question. Do you eat in your car or do you wait until you get home? Oh, in the car. Uh, Delivery question. Do you eat out of the containers or do you plate? Depends if the container or the packaging is annoying or not. (laughs) (laughs) And a favorite food moment from a movie or TV show? Um, Oh, Matilda. That's the best like food scene ever when she's like levitating all of the food everywhere and it's breakfast. So yeah, totally. And then if you were to pick a food to describe your personality, what would it be? Um, I'm going to say cereal because it's crunchy and I love crunchy things as a snack. And because I like switching things up so often, cereal comes in so many different flavors. So I think it really does embody me as a person as well. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Emily. I had so much fun. Yeah, same here. Thanks for having me. We'll chat soon. Bye. Bye. Tell the truth. Did you reach for a box of cereal to snack on while listening? Remember, a cereal is for any time of the day. I want to apologize for the sporadic nature of the podcast release as of late. It's been a little bit crazy and the holidays gearing up has made things even crazier. As always, the best way to support the podcast is to share this episode with a friend. Spread the love. Is there a food question you've always wanted to ask or maybe a suggestion for someone I should interview? Leave a review and let me know. Don't forget to follow and rate the show. If you're craving more, I would love to have you over at billybuttery.com where I share images of the guests each week, food pictures and recipes and 
aren't necessarily shared on the show notes or show. As always, I hope you eat well. Cheers. Cheers.